Today's sponsor is Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash recode and using the promo code recode. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show is also brought to you by FreshBooks, which makes cloud accounting software that is ridiculously easy to use. FreshBooks has completely transformed how 5 million small businesses deal with their day-to-day paperwork. They do everything from invoices to expenses to time tracking. Get a 30-day free trial and start saving time and money at freshbooks.com ask. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, Senior Technology Editor at The Verge. And you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, our podcast about consumer tech. Not just gadgets, but also apps, services, and really anything that has to do with you, the consumer. And we try to answer all of your questions, even if we don't know all the answers ourselves. And if we don't, we track down the answers for you. So if you have questions about technology that you've been too embarrassed to ask, send them in. There are a couple ways to submit your questions. First, you can tweet them to at Recode or to myself or Lauren. Use the hashtag too embarrassed. That's two R's and two S's in embarrassed. And you can also put your question on a piece of paper. Send it in an Uber directly to Kara's house. She lives at, I'm just kidding. You can send it via email. We have an email address. It's too embarrassed. That's two R's and two S's at recode.net. And you can find all our past episodes on iTunes at itunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask. And while you're there, leave us a review and talk about how mean I am to Lauren, please. No, talk about how much you love Kara's snarkiness because <laughs> Kara loves that. She thrives on it. Kara, where are you right now? I'm in DC. Well, I don't know why you sound rather, I don't know, ominous about that. It's like <laughs> everyone is so sick of this election here, but when you're in Washington and you're even more so sick of it. Yeah, what is the vibe there? What are, is it everything that everyone's talking about? It's the Obama administration, so they're they're pulling for Hillary Clinton obviously. But, you know, everyone's sick of it. Like the news and then the debate and I'm going to a debate party in DC tomorrow night, which should be just awful. But otherwise, I, you I know, think it actually sounds fascinating. I think you should live tweet it. Yeah. So just briefly, you know, when I was on the plane, now Samsung Galaxies, you were talking about, you know, Lena was talking about them being announced as awful phones. And it just went on and on on my many, many flights that I took recently. Yeah, I think the FAA has officially banned it. Uh, in case you're listening to this and you missed last week's episode, you should definitely go check it out because we talked to Recode senior mobile editor Ina Freed about Samsung's exploding battery problem and what comes next now that they've stopped making the Note 7. I mean, since it's just the bad news around it just keeps trickling out. My kids even knew about it. They were making Samsung battery exploding jokes and they use Apple phones. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. And originally last week we had planned to talk about drones, um, but we actually we called an audible. Kara, you totally know what that is. We called an audible and we changed uh, topics to talk about Samsung. And so um, this week we're back to drones. So Kara, last week you were just talking about drones with James Corden when you interviewed him. Yes, he had a bad experience. He had drones uh, hanging over his house, um, taking pictures of his kids and his family and uh, and his wife and mother, I think. And so he got in a car and tried to chase it and wasn't able to find the drone operator. But he was pretty pissed because they were taking pictures of him. Here's a clip from what he said on Recode Decode about that. Do you know what? A drone flew over my house the other day. Oh, they're probably taking a picture of you. And just hovered over our garden. Mm-hmm. And we were like, it flew over and then came back. Yeah, they're taking pictures of and then flew. But then we were like, is that... And I went out in my car to try mm-hmm. and find... Right, the drone person. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Shocking, no? I agree. So I, why are we all right with this? Wow. Okay, well, while you were schmoozing in Hollywood with James, I was chatting with Recode's newest reporter, April Glazer, who covers robots and drones and all sorts of cool stuff like that. And she has graciously agreed to join us this week to answer all of our questions about drones. So April, welcome to Too Embarrassed to Ask. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. 
Yeah. So, April, thank you for joining Rico. We think we hired April because we think this is an area that's ripe for fantastic stories and, and all kinds of issues around regulations and rules and everything else. So let's just jump right in. April, you're an expert now, right, within just a month of being here, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's it's my first month. And it's OK, well, great. you better be completely right about everything to say. <laughs> Not to say I'm your boss, but you better be completely right. No, I'm teasing. Um, so let's talk about like where we are with consumer drones. I mean, everyone talks about them, and there's lots of drone jokes. But where are we with the rules and regulations, and why are they? They seem so confusing. Everyone really doesn't know. I don't know what's going on with them, at least. A lot of people don't know what's going on. You're certainly not alone, Kara. You know, the rules are confusing because they're actually still being written. You know, um, the rules that are on the books now were only finalized at the end of August. And that's, you know, that was just a couple of months ago. Um, so people are still acclimating to what is out. And the FAA has another rulemaking scheduled in December to determine how drones will be allowed to fly over people or over populated areas. And really, before there were even the federal rules on the books for how to fly, there were laws, kind of a patchwork of laws across the country. And so when the federal laws came out, there was just kind of all this confusion about what applied, what didn't apply. But, you know, in general, federal laws do preempt state laws. So mm-hmm. it's, it's been kind of a hodgepodge only until August. And it's still being written. I mean, I know in the Bay Area, it's sort of this great irony because there's so many early tech adopters in the Bay Area and you see people flying drones and things like that. But there are also so many airports in this particular area, like between, you know, uh, Moffitt and San Jose, San Francisco, Palo Alto, like, and then up to Oakland that like, it seems like there's just this blanket of no drone rules in the area. And then you go to specific parks now and specific parks will say no drones here. And it's like, you never really know whether you're supposed to, you should always follow the FAA rules and regulations, but then there are local laws too. It just seems so confusing. Yeah. Well, I mean, so what you're drawing a distinction is like kind of flying for fun. So if you're flying in a park for fun, if it's not for professional purposes, if you're not a photographer, you're doing some sort of site inspection, you still need to register your drone in the same way you would maybe get a fishing permit to, to go fishing. It only costs five bucks and you do it on, online, but you don't need a license to fly in that case. So if you're just flying in a park um, around people who have okayed it, if it's like you're just taking aerial photography mm-hmm. and you can, of course, see the drone, then and that's fine. Um, but if it's within, you know, a few miles of an airport or any sort of controlled airspace, then no, you cannot fly the drone right now. So, you know, airports are usually a bit, you know, farther out from where people live. So that's kind of easy to avoid. And a lot of drones have geofencing where they're just not going to operate in a place like over controlled airspace, like an airport or prison. Generally speaking, what's the highest you can fly a drone? 400 feet, 400 unless feet. you get a waiver. And people, um, different companies have gotten waivers, um, but uh, but 400 feet is the designated kind of uh, spot on the airspace spectrum where you can fly. Okay. So what about as a journalist, like what James was talking about? Because a lot of people are using them for everything from real estate to things like that. But what's the, beyond c- consumer drones, which I think we're going to talk mostly about, what is the thing that people are using it for the most? Well, you know, photography, really. I mean, drones are capable of getting these superhuman shots, right? They can go where you just can't go, above the trees, over water, and it's spectacular, and people want to get those shots. Of course, that also includes over people's homes, right? And and you're not supposed to be flying a drone over people um, or over buildings where there's not, like, permission to do so. So um, it's possible, and, and it's actually kind of gray. So, I mean, I even say this thing, you're not supposed to. It's, it's, it's really hard to say exactly what 
is going to come of that, the FAA is making rules about flying overpopulated areas in December. But those rules are still kind of being written, like I said. But most drones um, are used for photography purposes in that case, like for journalism. Um, and they're subject to, journalists are subject to the same rules that any other commercial operator is subject to. So they actually have to get um, a license from the FAA to operate, uh, and they have to take a written test. And uh, and do a little studying and, and actually know how to pilot. Yeah, they're actually they they can be difficult to pilot and they they require a learning curve. I think in the case of journalists, if you're not a freelancer, I believe it your organization has to, your media organization has to have a some type of license outside of the individual license. Is that is that true in order to? No, I, I'm not sure about that. My understanding is that if you are flying for professional purposes, you have to adhere to. Uh, the FAA Part 107 rule that was passed in August that I was talking about that requires you to get a special license. Okay. Whether or not the organization has to, that I'm not sure of. So what are the most popular drones right now What in the costs and things? Just give us a rundown of some. Yeah, so DJI is by far the most popular drone company. They're based out of China. They have like 70% of the market right now in terms of consumer drones. And uh, their most popular is the Phantom 4. And, you know, that costs around a thousand bucks, right? These are expensive toys. pieces. Of, yeah, they're, they're expensive toys. They're, they're also like kind of professional pieces of equipment in many ways, right? Um, but there's a lot of other kind of smaller ones that are in the like $500, $400 range that maybe fit in the palm of your hand. And those you, um, you don't need to register if they're like approaching a pound. Most of those you don't have to register. And the FAA has guidelines on their website around that. But uh, but for the most part, like the GoPro drone that uh, is supposed to be coming out later this year, that's going to cost, you know, around a thousand bucks. Even the new uh, DJI drone, the Mavic, again, a thousand bucks. I mean, these people, these are an investment. Um, And so people really want some clarity about what they can and can't do with it because they're spending so much money. What are their return policies generally? If you fly this thing into a tree just because you're in an experienced drone flyer and it gets destroyed, I mean, can you get it repaired? Can you return it? Um, or are you just are you throwing a thousand dollars to the wind? Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> That's a great question. Return policy? I don't know what it is. I guess uh, you would maybe want to check that before you you know cough up you know a grand to uh, to have a really fancy camera with wings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so what about recovery and relief efforts? We talked a little bit about journalism, really, you know, commercial real estate, it all makes a lot of sense. But you've written for Recode about the use of drones during Hurricane Matthew. And also you wrote about a program that involves delivering blood in Rwanda. Tell us a little bit about how drones are being used for that sort of thing. Sure. I mean, so like I said, the rules only were passed in August. So we're starting to just now see them used for kind of practical reasons, like recovery efforts. And 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 it's not that the drones are actually doing the rescuing or the recovering or or scouting that much. In fact, if a drone gets in the way of a low-flying recovery flight, then they could be fined like upwards of $30,000, said the FAA. But drones are being used when it comes to like infrastructure repair and scouting out uh, areas that perhaps have uh, floodwaters that have been too high after Hurricane Matthew, like in North Carolina, where a car still can't go. Um, And it's really expedited getting people back online, getting infrastructure back up. Up because they can fly the drone, see where there's damage or where there's not damage, and then send a boat out. And uh, Verizon reported doing this. And they also uh, are using drones to inspect like insurance issues. So before where uh, insurance 
claims person would have to climb on a roof of a very damaged structure, which is quite dangerous. A drone can now go up there, get a bird's eye view faster and safer. Mm -hmm. And so we're already seeing that um, happen. Uh, drones are drones are being used in the field, and you're going to actually see a lot more of them. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there are the burrito drones. Uh, <laughs> sort of just sums up the burrito drones. Well, that's something that like, X, you know, formerly Google X, but now just called X, had done. You know, and they did it as sort of this pilot, and people, of course, just sort of latch on to this idea of a drone delivering a burrito. But their long term goal is like, actually, how can we get rid of a four thousand pound truck that delivers stuff and you know it, uh, has a carbon footprint? And so, well, the idea is like, is what if you just delivered things, you know, would, you, Kara needs to borrow my hammer and then I have a hammer. And so I just send a drone to her. Um, and of course, Amazon has been experimenting with this as well. It seems like the potential for things just. I'm thinking of opening a business of hawks. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have hawks. <laughs> Like drone delivery is going to solve what people are generally called the last mile problem, right? Which is, sure, you can like ferry goods to a central location, but once you have to send them to each individual driveway, to each front door, that takes a lot of time and and, and, and it costs money and, and is where re- people really get slowed down on the roads for traffic and all kinds of things like that. So the hope from Amazon and, and, and Google and, and other kind of uh, industry folks that, that want to get into the delivery game is that... They'll just bypass all that traffic, fly above it, and and deliver the package to your door with a drone. That's not legal yet, and it's not legal because one of the rules on the books with the FAA is that you can't fly a drone out of line of sight um, and that you have to see the drone operating. But that's not practical when you're trying to deliver packages. You don't want somebody following it with a car, which you actually can't operate a drone from a moving vehicle anyway without a waiver. So right now, uh, Amazon is testing rapidly their drone delivery program in the UK. Um, and they have a test site in Canada and maybe other places. They're very secretive. Uh, but we do know about their UK program, eh, for sure, and their Canadian program. And, you know, apparently they're on, they've developed over 10 now versions of their drone um, that they've been testing. And they hope to soon by, you know, people are saying 2020 um, at the, the earliest, get their drones delivering the, to the front door. Um, and that will really make Amazon a, a delivery service. Uh, as well, not just an online retailer, but they're kind of the whole whole kit and caboodle. Right, another piece of their massive, you know, distribution puzzle. Why are they testing in the UK and Canada? Like, what's so different about the rules there? Are they more lenient? Are they more advanced? I mean, what's going on there? Leniency is is a big part of it. You know, Congress actually ordered they wanted to do it in the the US, right? Because that's where most of their customers are. And Congress ordered um, the FAA to create rules back in 2012. And they were supposed to be done with um, kind of the rules that they that they just finished in August by 2015. So they were a year late on creating those rules, right? Whereas the CAA, the kind of British version of the FAA, the Civil Aviation Authority, came out with their rules a year in advance of the FAA's rules. Um, and then Amazon had requested for the FAA to, to get a waiver to test their drone technology in the U.S. And the FAA just wasn't ready. And when they finally did grant that waiver, the aircraft that Amazon had requested the waiver for was already obsolete. You know, mm-hmm. And so the, the U.K., on the other hand, granted Amazon a, a, a waiver to test much faster within months um, Amazon said. And uh, they've developed their testing facilities there, right? Uh, the UK version of the FAA might also be more ready to work with private companies. The um, air traffic control system in the UK is is kind of run by a public-private partnership, whereas in the US, it's, it's government-run, our air traffic control. And air traffic control is going to be key to figuring out drone delivery because 
Yeah, because like unlike with airports, drones don't start from a designated point A, point B. They could take off and land anywhere by design. And they need to be. we need to be able to know their flight path, where they are. We need to be able to tell drones in real time, say if there's a fire that they need to avoid, you know, things you can't necessarily like predict or forecast. Um, and there needs to be like a way to communicate and know where they are. And without that kind of mapping technology, which isn't necessarily easy, this kind of low altitude, unmanned drone mapping technology, uh, with air traffic control, you know, we're not going to see that delivery happen. And if the UK is more ready to work with private partners, I mean, I'm not saying the FAA isn't ready to do that, but whoever figures this out first might get the startup funding first, right? Might see industry move there first, because why would, uh, like, uh, you know, an industry wants to go ahead and operate where it's legal to do so. And so they're going to move where it's legal to do so. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So their last question, there's a lot of talk about personal drones. These are these follow you around and record your lives. There was, mm-hmm. I guess, what was it, Lily? Or I forget the name of it. Anyway, there's a bunch of them. So talk about these just a little bit, the idea that you have a personal drone that just records you. I, I mean, want one to follow Kara around <laughs> through her life. Just all of your meetings. I will like hanging out with James Corden and going to like White House dinners. I just I want the drone to follow you everywhere. <laughs> I would watch. I would watch Vox video, take note. So I guess it might pilot a new era of reality TV. But they, I guess that, you know, the idea is, is that these drones can detect people or objects and then follow them around. You know, DJI's new consumer drone can do that. Uh, and the Phantom could do that too. But really, it's getting much more sensitive. And, and I got to, to play with the Mavic then I tell you, it felt like having a dog follow me around, you know, and it was but it was this like mechanized and I kept looking back and I was like, you're still there. Okay, like <laughs> you're you still there. I mean, I wasn't with it long enough to develop that kind of affinity. But it is something that people are considering they want to do, you know, and it raises a lot of the same questions that say, like, the proliferation of smartphones has raised with people taking pictures and videos everywhere. And maybe not everyone wants to be in your picture or video. But you know what, you're in public. So, uh, so it's definitely going to raise a lot of privacy concerns if people have their drones following them around. That said, you're really not supposed to be operating a drone in a populated area uh, without like consent with people around you. And these drones that that do kind of follow you around, they do uh, usually have some sort of like geofencing or safe distance that they're like programmed to keep. Um, so it's not like you're going to have like four choppers swirling right next to your head, giving you an unwanted haircut. But this is something that as we start to see more drones come up, especially with holiday season, we might also see, a, you know, a bit more drones tagging along with folks uh, where it's, you know, safe and sensible to do so, I hope. So you're not supposed to, they're not supposed to be in populated areas for safety reasons or for privacy reasons? Because right now you can walk down the street wearing a face computer, right? You see it's Google Glass or just hold your smartphone up. And anything, you know, I think that is just sort of visible to the human eye. You're not using a zoom lens and all of that is is pretty, is is fair game, right? Totally. In public space. So it's interesting to me, this whole idea. I I would imagine it's more for safety reasons. It is. And the the FAA, uh, one of the other reasons why the FAA has taken a bit longer than the UK, for example, is that a lot of privacy advocates have raised flags in the rulemaking process and slowed it down and, and you know, brought up all these privacy considerations. There's just been a lot of competing interest, which is a a sign of a healthy democracy that has, like, really slowed down this this rulemaking process in a way that we haven't seen in the UK. But the final FAA rules um, really did not touch on privacy. And mostly, uh, of course, we're about safety. The FAA is not a privacy regulator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we've got questions from audience about uh, audience about this issue and uh, drones and where they're going. 
And in a minute, we're going to hear some of those questions. But first, today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks, a super simple cloud accounting software that's helping over 5 million small businesses conquer their administrative and paperwork in less time with way less stress. It only takes 30 seconds to create and send a polished professional-looking invoice. And customers who accept online payments with FreshBooks get paid three days faster on average. FreshBooks can even show you whether or not a client has looked at an invoice you've emailed. They also track expenses, cash flow, and the time you're spending on each project. For your unrestricted 30-day free trial, go to freshbooks.com ask and enter too embarrassed to ask in the how you've heard about us section. That's freshbooks.com ask to start your 30-day free trial. All right, we've got a lot of questions today. Lauren, why don't you take the first one? The first question is from Adam Gibson. He's at AG Think on Twitter, and he asks, with the collapse of 3D robotics, what major U.S. manufacturing companies could compete with DJI Global going forward? Uh, so 3D Robotics is a Berkeley-based drone company, uh, based on my understanding. And um, are, how, did they collapse? Well, they didn't collapse, but what they did is they decided to to kind of sunset their uh, consumer drone, right? And so now they're 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 going to still provide service for those that are out there, but they're pivoting now Pivot. to sorry, <laughs> <laughs> they're pivoting to a commercial uh, drone market, and they want to serve um, construction companies, you know, site inspections and things like that. Okay, okay. So Adam, they didn't collapse, as April points out. They <clears throat> pivoted, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, so it seems like they're still in the game, but what other major U.S. company to drone makers could actually compete with uh, with DJI? Do we know of any? I actually don't think that any can compete <laughs> with DJI on yeah. that level. They already have such a market share. They have really good products. Um, you know, for GoPro's drone to compete with DJI, they would have to sell so many because there are already so many out there and people are familiar with them. I actually think DJI is the leader right now. Uh, I might be missing some companies that have a fan base that I'm not aware of, but in terms of the popular ones, I think uh, DJI's kind of the got the market share right now. Yeah. It's funny, I have a 3D Robotics solo okay. drone sitting in my apartment that I have not yet flown, <laughs> mostly because I can't find a place where it's actually I'm not breaking rule I've been kicked out of a couple parks in recent months and we were shooting some videos and uh yeah let's move on to the next question it's from N (laughs) Ganshan N-G-A-N-E-S-H-A-N what's the scoop on air map seems to be gaining steam as a drone traffic management platform April. They're a really interesting company. Um, so what AirMap is, is is they are kind of a, a platform for drones. So they have an app where you can um, share where your drone is flying in your flight path, and you can see other drones that have opted to share. It also shows you where there's uh, airspace you're supposed to stay out of. And it's kind of like a precursor to what might turn into a kind of an air traffic control uh, system. So we see AirMaps technology already in something like over 70% of the drones on the market right now uh, in terms of they are compatible with, you know, AirMaps uh, mapping system and you could you could log your flight and stuff like that. And, and they're um, 
they're definitely kind of inching in as a, a leader in terms of providing kind of platform management type uh, services for drones. So the air traffic control towers would have to be using this software and it would have to be somehow either on the mobile device or device that's controlling the drone or in the drone itself right. in order for it to be a sort of integrated system. So over 100 uh, airports right now already use AirMaps okay. tech. And so uh, it's not integrated with the current air traffic control system, but they'll have like a screen off to the side okay. that shows where there would be drones in the vicinity because air traffic control wants to know uh, where those are in the vicinity yeah. as well, even if they're not... Um, supposed to be flying anywhere near, they, they still want to have um, that kind of mapping platform. So we're already seeing it in use in airports. I mean, a lot of smaller airports still use like an analog yes. blocks to see what small planes are coming in and out, right? It's kind of crazy. They like, they write down on these chips and then they move them across boards. And it's just so, it's so analog compared to what you might think, you know, a control system would be. Yeah, a lot of uh, air traffic control now is kind of done over the phone a little bit. I mean, yeah. of course, there's radar and, you know, they can see where plans are coming, but they call in and say they're coming and they schedule times to leave, right? And right. Um, and if we are going to see a more uh, integrated and advanced system that takes use of a broader spectrum of the airspace, um, which really could, could change delivery in the way we receive goods in the United States um, and, of course, around the world, then we're going to, to have to see, um, you know, more precise analytics, more precise data about, you know, all the different crafts that are in the air. Okay. Uh, the next question is from Mahdi Yusuf. He's at mYusuf3 on Twitter. What is the best drone for beginners while maximizing video quality? You know, um, the best beginner drones, I mean, I, I would have to say probably the most popular is the, the DJI Phantom 4. But I think we're really going to see the best video quality drones come out next month in uh, gearing up for the holiday season. So, you know, GoPro does make a good camera and their drone has that camera. Um, the new Mavic from DJI is also fantastic camera tech, you know, and we're looking at the $800 to $1,000 range of these devices so it's expensive technology it seems like there's a gap there you can buy these little jumping drones Mm -hmm. that don't have video equipment like parrot or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and you can get it for a couple hundred bucks and then there's like this gap right and then in order to get super high video quality you're still getting into that several hundred dollars or more range yeah, because they have to have uh, enough, the drone has to be strong enough to, to hold a camera attachment, mm-hmm. right? Now, uh, we just learned that the makers of WeChat uh, in China, not in the US, though, will be releasing a drone that's really just for social media streaming. Um, and that's priced, you know, uh, below $400. So oh, significantly wow. cheaper. Um, that's cannot be drum. recorded. How sad. That's- um, all right. Next question. Uh, Michael Weems. I know it's mostly at Weems. I know it's mostly consumer drones, but is there anything tech folks can or should do to oppose drone attacks that kill innocent people? This has been in the news a little bit that ISIS mm-hmm. was using them. And obviously it makes sense. You could like send a drone bomb in somewhere pretty easily. So what and, and obviously drones, U.S. government uses them and others in their warfare. So where is that going? Because, it, you know, you see it on if you watch Homeland or anything else, they're always taking a drone and killing someone. I mean, this is a great question, and it's going to pose a, a, a big challenge to local law enforcement, really, once drones can start to fly over populated areas, over stadiums, because who knows what they can have attached to them, right? Um, and so there has been an investment amongst local law enforcement officials of buying kind of uh, drone snatching technology or, or signal jamming, things that can kind of take a drone out in different ways. 
But uh, if people want to get involved in these discussions, the best thing to do is probably get involved in the FAA rulemaking process. It's a public notice and comment process where anybody can submit a comment to the FAA, and and they're going to be opening up another uh, rulemaking around flying over populated areas at the end of the year. And you should definitely be engaged in, in this discussion because it's they're your laws that you have to follow. And, uh, and of course, they also affect our safety. I mean, as with any technology, advances in technology, there's going to be good use cases and there are going to be some bad use cases. And you have to do everything you can to try to prevent the bad actors from yeah, doing what they do. I mean, people use cell phones to make drug deals. And mm-hmm. it's really important not to malign, you know, cars because <laughs> they use them for all kinds of reasons that, you know, aren't just like going to the grocery store. Yeah. So. Absolutely. The next question is from at Jose Allen ML. Is there a drone you can use in real time with a VR headset while you fly? I like, I'm like, do we really need that much technology like on our faces and around us? And Kara's like, oh, that's a good one. I think I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. So there, there are headsets that you can use to like kind of see what your drone sees while it's flying. If you don't want to like, say, look at a screen in your hand. Who makes those? <laughs> DJI makes one. Yuntech uh, makes one. Uh, I'm sure there are a few others. I don't know if I would call them VR, but they're strapped to your face and you can, you know, see what the drone is seeing. Uh, but, you know, if that's what you, you want to, to use, I think to me it sounds kind of a bit more exciting to kind of see the drone and what you're seeing from the drone on your your screen at the same time, especially because, uh, you know, you're really supposed to be monitoring the drone, you know, and looking at it. You you think it's better to see the drone itself, you're saying, rather than the bird's eye view? Yeah, because there's there's other things like behind the drone or to the left or right. You know, I I know as somebody who's like walking around in the world would feel safer. (laughs) Yeah. And that way, when you crash into the tree eventually with your thousand dollar drone, you don't, you know, you don't want to be on a hoverboard uh, with a Samsung Galaxy, for example. (laughs) Go ahead. When will I, as a consumer, be able to get a tiny drone as my personal autonomous vlog cameraman? Well, you can, right? Is that correct? Yeah. And the next question is is from the same person. Talking about tiny personal drones, how silent will they get? They'll be like yeah. bees. So they have little bee drones, little tiny bee camera drones. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. And the point that you bring up, Kara, is that there's military technology has far outpaced consumer technology here. And if there might already be super silent drones that that I just can't, you know, know about as much as I can know about the ones that are going to be, you know, for sale uh, on Amazon. Disturbing. If regular people got their hands on them, they could like fly them into people's houses and take like talk about turning on cameras, you know, of people's computers or phones. They could just fly these little flies into things and take a look. That's crazy. But, but sound is something that these delivery operations or these wannabe delivery operations really need to think about because if these drones are going to be getting near people and dropping goods and, and however they do it, um, we don't want, and everybody's orders from Amazon all day, we don't want to hear them. I mean, that's going to be very loud, potentially. I mean, if you've heard a drone, if you've flown a drone, you know that this isn't some sound that you can just ignore or necessarily even blast out over your headphones. Mm-hmm. In the future, I think all of our homes and all of our buildings are going to have little baby heliports for drones. So like in this building we're in now, our work building, there's going to be a little drone heliport. And then when a package gets delivered, instead of it being, you know, a FedEx delivery person coming up the elevator, we're going to have to like go to the roof and get our 
our brown box packages and the, hel- the drone heliport. <laughs> I think that is probably likely and, and maybe even the safest. We might even have, instead of the drone landing, it might be more of a parachute system. I mean, drones might not even necessarily land except for in one place where they take off. And instead, they just lower and drop the package, and which is a lot safer, actually, than landing around people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you were mentioning, the Rwanda uh, case with the, the blood delivery. These drones in Rwanda are not landing at clinics. They're actually dropping the delivery kind of in a, a designated parachute landing space at mm-hmm. clinics. Fascinating. Next question is the last question, which is from at JP Balahadia. Uh, what is the drone resale market like for people that buy and don't use? Is there a second market? So, Lauren, you were saying you have a drone in uh, your apartment that you're not using. I, yeah, it my- is on loan, so I will not be reselling it. 3DR, I need to get it back to you, FYI. My sense is that there are a lot of people with drones in their garages that they've used once or twice. Um, and uh, and people can, you know, you can certainly buy them used online, Um just like Craigslist or there's like small websites where people post them, uh, just like any other product. But the thing is, is that if you're going to buy this drone, you have to register it, you know, under your name with your address. So that way, if there is a problem, if you do fly in day or space that you're not supposed to, the FAA can contact you and find you. Um, and you also have to then, um, you know, if you're going to use it for professional reasons, of course, get that, that license. Right. Which is why I have not flown it, FAA. Is that just it? Just an FYI. It's just sitting there. You need to take a lesson, Lauren. <laughs> I do. Well, I, I work with people that know Viren is fantastic at flying his drone. And I just need to hang out with Viren more, I think. I have no interest in flying any drones. <laughs> Except for your personal drone, which is going to follow you around. B. I want it to be as big as a B, and it needs to just be right behind me, and it'll be great. That's what I'm going to do, like, E! True Hollywood Story with Kara. <laughs> it's so shot entirely by drones, by personal drones following her around. Now Kara eats turkey jerky and watches television yes (laughs) so even for people that aren't interested in flying a drone themselves this is going to affect your life if they start to deliver things and so i'm not like a drone hobbyist necessarily but i'm fascinated by the technology because of the potential that it has to really upend the way we receive goods between this and self-driving cars we're not going to have to move anywhere we're just going to get fat and stupid (laughs) and sit on our couch while things are dropped into our lap or delivered up to us by robots correct april is that the outlook we have I think, uh, you know, the idea is to make things as convenient as possible for us to buy as much as possible. <laughs> and so Yeah, it's all about buying. No, we think about the environmental impact, too. That's a big deal. I mean, taking lots of cars off the road. You pictures know, are pretty. The pictures are pretty, for sure. But we're getting closer to that Jetsons. April, I want you to sort of do a story about where we are on jetpacks right now, if you could. Because <laughs> that's, I could be a drone, you see. I could turn myself into a drone. <laughs> Anyway, on that note, uh, April, thanks so much for joining us. This has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Yes, thank you, April. And if you all enjoyed the episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show. And also leave us that review. You can go to iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. Yeah, April will come back and talk about killer robots next, by the way. I hope. Yes. Whether so they, what they're going to do when they take over our jobs and then kill us all. Killer robots. That's always a good topic. Anyway, subscribing is great to that future show and the ones we've already done. You'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. That's iTunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask. You know, Kara, also the Google Pixel phone reviews are out today. Walt Mossberg wrote one. Dieter Bone wrote one. And we did an entire podcast two weeks ago. I rushed us. out to not buy it. But go ahead. 
like to. <laughs> well, you can also subscribe to our shows on Google Play Music, TuneIn, or Stitcher. And of course, just go to the website. Go to recode.net slash podcasts and listen to every episode there. Yeah. And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. The Verge also has some great podcasts. Walt Mossberg and Eli Patel host Control Walt Elite. Eli also has The Verge cast and Chris Plant hosts What's Tech. Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag Too Embarrassed or email them to tooembarrassed at recode.net. Thanks for listening. And thank you again to our sponsors, Casper and FreshBooks. And thanks also to Digital Media, which distributes the show. We'll be back next week to answer more of the questions you've been too embarrassed to ask. So tune in then. 